sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. My name's Matt. His name is Joe. This is a show about baseball. More importantly, how to pull money out of your love of baseball. Joe PZP, the mind behind the Black Book series. Just search it on the computer. You'll find it. It's changed the way we've looked at sports, how to find value in players. Joe, of course, coming to us from his palatial estate in New Jersey. Me, I'm holed up here in Long Island, New York. I know we've got uh, Jack, I think, is in South Jersey. We're representing Philly. That's our producer. Our tech team is in Kansas City. Shout out to all of our truckers out there, our radio audience, all our friends over at Sirius XM 159. And, of course, Joe, you can take us anywhere you want to go, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Let's go around the diamond, my friend, and speak to us from your throne, please. Yes, I shall. And after this, I shall sit poolside and have people bring me uh, margaritas. Now, I wish that was the case. I got two football games to coach here this uh, Sunday after the show's <laughs> over. So uh, I'm going to be busy all day and make sure I protect the the ball dome from the from the elements out there in the sun. That's that's really the truth of the matter. Let's get around the diamond. And let's talk about Willie Adamas nearing the return to the Brewers. I hope he finds some other offensive player there when he returns. They need him in the worst way. This guy was so good for this team early on, and then the injury happened, unfortunately. But the Brewers need some offense. They've had a lot of injuries. They're getting Woodruff back soon. Peralta's going to be on the shelf for a while. It's very unfortunate. The Brewers start to take some hits. Once again, just like we talked about the Mets a couple weeks ago, and then, okay, injuries are happening. Well, what's going to happen there with them? Maybe you look at the Braves. Start to look at the Cardinals. They've been aggressive. They brought some of the youth up there. The Cardinals are another team, too, that you know could stand to add another pitcher. So keep an eye on that. Jacob DeGrom, here we go, folks. Hold your breath. Progressing well, quote-unquote. Uh, he actually uh, ended up throwing a bullpen session yesterday. So uh, we can only hope for the good of baseball and the good of mankind that we get Jacob DeGrom back sooner than later. That would be great. Clayton Kershaw makes his rehab start today on Sunday. Max Muncy began his rehab start over the weekend. So the Dodgers getting two key pieces back, hopefully sometime early next week. And an MRI confirmed, unfortunately, that Grayson Rodriguez has a strained lat. That's no good. The lat sprain is uh, is one that's going to keep him out for a while. For those of you who don't know, Grayson Rodriguez was the next ticketed big young pitcher to come up here. The number one uh, piece in the organization now that Adley Rutschman's up for the Baltimore Orioles. The last piece of that puzzle was Grayson Rodriguez. So unfortunately for the Orioles, you're not going to see him for the next couple months. But the good news is on the prospect front, you are going to get Max Meyer starting to pick up a ball and pitch soon as well for the Marlins. So you are going to get some more of these younger pitching prospects. You've seen the Cubs bring up some guys too. Uh, you're going to see more of this as these injuries continue to mount in Major League Baseball. But Matt, there's a lot of things to break down here, but DeGrom and Kershaw kind of feel like the most important two things. So let's start there. Uh, it is very important, I think, for both of these teams to stay at the top and continue their dominance. We all know baseball is a game of streaks. The Dodgers and the Mets have played very well, but you can feel there's a weight in these rotations right now without some of these big pitchers and these big names. So in your opinion, what's more important, Kershaw coming back for the Dodgers or DeGrom coming back for the Mets? 
That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to land on DeGrom coming back for the Mets. Uh, two reasons. One, the wording here, progressing as planned. Uh, well, what's the plan here? It begs the thought and the question. That maybe <laughs> Buck and DeGrom sat down. They said, listen, man, this is a long and arduous season. Welcome in our radio audience. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Stryker. His name is Joe Pizzapia. Each and every Sunday morning, we talk about baseball and we try to find a way to pull some money out of our love of the sport and all the stats that are out there. We're currently going around the diamond and talking about Jacob DeGrom and how important it could be for him to come back and really solidify the Mets along with Max Scherzer as they try to win the pennant and the World Series. Here's the thing, though. Buck Showalter is their manager. Who's to say he didn't sit down with DeGrom's uh, camp and say, look, it's a very long season. What do you say we try to get you from middle of June or July All-Star break to the end? And that way we can still achieve our goals and we can still save this investment that we have that we may lose. That's something else to think about. So to your question, Joe, about what's more important, Kershaw coming back or DeGrom, I think it's DeGrom for those reasons. I actually think it's Kershaw uh, because if you look at the way Walker Bueller pitched last night, uh, I know Tony Gonsolin's been a revelation, but that is not sustainable either. Tony Gonsolin's not going to have an ERA under two for the second half. So sell high, folks, on Tony Gonsolin. He's been great, but if you can get somebody to overpay for Tony Gonsolin, you do that because historically he's not been a big strikeout pitcher. So I think you're seeing a really fantastic run, but unsustainable ERA numbers, unsustainable um, numbers in the uh, XFIP category as well. Also, DeGrom, just so you guys know out there, we actually threw from the mound yesterday. And this is very important because it's not flat ground anymore. When you go out to throwing off the mound, that means the next step is facing live hitters. And then live hitters goes usually into rehab starts. So although we don't have a timetable yet, if we're just going to put that out there, there's a good chance somewhere around between July 4th and the All-Star break, he might make that one start. They might just wait uh, possibly and just hold him to the All-Star break. But I think there's a world where you don't. I think there's a world where he might see him closer to July 4th than rather after the All-Star break because if he's already throwing from the mound, that's a very good sign. That's not like, okay, that's a very good one. So keep an eye on this DeGrom progress. Uh, people dropped him because you couldn't hold him in fantasy leagues. Just add him now. I actually was in a league where someone had to drop him. So craziness. Every league is weird, but you might want to consider picking him up if he's floating around there. But Imagine if he can get Scherzer and DeGrom for this team already with the way they're playing offensively. Scary thought for the rest of the National League. We come back. Let's talk about more guys to add to your fantasy team right here on Diamond Bets. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Vets, Matt Stryker, and Joe Pizzapia. Of course, you can follow along SportsGrid at SportsGrid at SportsGrid TV. Let's dive in, Joe, to waiver wire ads. I know so many season-long fantasy managers are in a panic right now, and I don't think they mm. should be. So let's talk to the author of the Black Book series, and let's see, uh, what do you see on the waiver wire? Well, the first thing I see is a, a reliever now turned starting pitcher and Spencer Strider of the Atlanta Braves. Now, Strider is rostered in about 50% of leagues currently. And if you look at the minor league track record, 
He was used in both roles uh, throughout his early career. He is only 23 years old, still, so still a very young guy. So the minor league career was okay. I mean, you have 3-6 ERA. He was a good pitcher in the minor leagues. Uh, Big-time strikeout stuff. That's the one thing you take away. He definitely misses bats. 94 career minor league innings. Again, that's not a whole lot. 153 strikeouts. That's a 14.6 K per nine. So that is that is something special. So when it comes to Strider, he's also only topped out at 94 innings before. So you got to think about this, that how many innings are left in this tank? So far, he has uh, thrown for the uh, for the Braves in this season, 32 innings. So they have kind of kept him in the bullpen here to begin with. We'll see if this experiment with him starting does continue for a long period of time, or perhaps this is showcasing him for a trade to bring in a Frankie Montas or to bring in somebody else like that. That is equally possible. But regardless, I think the fact that you've seen the first two months of the season, him in the bullpen, is a good thing. I wouldn't overpay for Strider because you don't know if he's going to stay in the rotation. You don't know if he's going to end up somewhere else. And what their plans for him are if he should get jettisoned to another team in a trade. And he's, like I said, very likely set of circumstances there. But if you look at what he's done this year, 44 strikeouts. Again, that strikeout rate is very high, 28 and two-thirds innings. Just 18 hits. He's been tough to square up. He's got a 3-4-5 ERA and a 1.08 whip. So Spencer Strider is an arm, I think, worth investing in. But at the same time, I wouldn't over-invest either. I wouldn't blow all the free agent budget you have left. But I would make the investment, especially in those leagues where you have mandatory RP slots, because if he is going to get some starts here from now through the All-Star break, well, heck, that's really important in those leagues where you're looking for more relievers. He qualifies a reliever, but he might give you some two-start weeks in there. So that, to me, is a huge advantage. But, Matt, what do you see the future being for Strider? You think it is in the rotation for the Braves, in the bullpen for the Braves, or maybe pitching for somebody else in 2022? I think they don't know. I think right now it's the first weekend in June, and there's a lot going on in reality as well as fantasy. So let's uh, dive into the fantasy side of it because we have to know our audience here. Uh, you bring up a great point about the position eligibility and how you can tinker with that. That's always fun. But be careful. Sometimes you know you might ratio yourself too much, and then, then you find that it didn't work in your favor. Uh, with regards to the 50% roster, that says a lot to me because it says that a lot of people are on the fence. So Joe is right. Do not exhaust your budget here. Or I would say maybe what would you play here, Joe? Maybe a fifth of your budget, depending on how yeah, you well, worked it. I always like to think of it like this. If it's June and you've been, let's say you've been really aggressive even, you probably got somewhere around, what, 60% of your, like $60 of 100 left or something in that June. vein, maybe. I don't think you're down to 50 right. yet, hopefully. Let's say you're at 60 I think he's worth like a seven, eight dollar bid. I think he's worth that, especially in those mandatory RP leagues. Maybe you go up a little bit higher because I do believe that's a distinct advantage, you know, because some of the closer situations are very volatile or they're committee based. So having a guy that, you know, is going to get points every week or productivity every single week and pitch that's valuable. But yeah, I feel like it's, it's somewhere probably around that seven, $8 range is a good investment. I don't think I would go well into the double digits to get this guy. No, because no. there's other guys that are going to be more helpful probably for longer periods of time, but still worth an ad worth a look another guy too. And this is kind of like the post hype sleeper edition of the, uh, of the waiver wire ads today <laughs> is Nico Horner of the Cubs. Nico Horner was a big time prospect for the Cubs. One of the pieces they were going to rebuild around, right? With Ian Happ and they were going to, you know, move on from the Bryants and the Rizzo's and the Baez group. And Nico Horner was going to be those guys. And then everyone kind of forgot about Nico Horner, had some injuries. This year, heading into Friday's action, over 123 at-bats, three home runs, five steals, hitting 285. 
Uh, Nico Horner is playing pretty good baseball right now. And he's playing everyday baseball right now. And the Cubs, look, the Cubs have some issues. And because they're a lower profile team, that's why he's only 30% rostered. But Nico Horner can help you. Nico Horner can, can for those people who are hurting in the middle infield situation right now, Nico Horner can help. You see a little bit, bit of power. You see a little bit of speed. He had a very good minor league track record. And I think sometimes we just don't have enough patience with these guys. And Nico Horner is one of these players where I think you look at him and you go, hey, this guy right now may be starting to figure it out at the big league level. Uh, still very young. And I think that's what happens. We get these players. We get infatuated with the names. They don't produce right away, so therefore we forget. And I think it behooves us because this guy's just 25 years old. And if you look at the minor league track record, you know, 294 career here in the minor leagues, maybe he doesn't have the biggest power, but he is also a player that could build into that power because he is a player that hit a lot of doubles. I guess, guess what? Nick Castellanos wasn't a big power hitter either. He was a doubles hitter when he came up for the Detroit Tigers and then developed power over time. Look at those gap hitters, those guys who make good contact. Sometimes they do develop like Nick Cassianos did. I'll tell you, man, that's that's some some speculation. But at the same time, you know, knowing you and knowing that you don't just shoot off or spout off at the mouth, at least publicly, uh, it's an interesting thought, <laughs> especially given the position eligibility. You're right. In a lot of leagues, and I talk to a lot of people that say, you know, man, middle infield is just really I'm pulling out my hair. A lot of people invested in, say, Josh Harrison, and they're like, ah, and I had to, I had to leave that and go here, and now I find myself just treading water. This could be an intriguing play for sure. Uh, where else should we look? Maybe are there any outfielders that you have in mind on the waiver wire? You know, for years now in the twin system, people would be talking about Alex Kirilov, and they should. He's a talented player. But Trevor Larnick was the guy that I always thought was a a, a steadier presence uh, that I thought sure. was eventually get into the major leagues and maybe be a little bit more dependable. And if you look at his minor league track record, a 290 batting average, an 825 OPS, uh, a guy who's not afraid to take a walk now and again either. Uh, but this is a player so far this year that you see – what he's done uh, over 100 at bats, three home runs. Um, he has got uh, 290 batting average. He's making contact. Uh, he's driven in 15 runs. He scored 17. Where he hits in the batting order, you know, day to day can be a little tricky. Uh, but he's just 15% rostered. And I thought that was just kind of absurd because this is a player that I think could really carve out more playing time. And Kirilov's in AAA right now. And there's so many injuries that have gone on with the twins. You know, Byron Buxton's always an injury risk. So for me, I'm looking at Trevor Larnick and I'm saying to myself, this is a player worth at least stashing on my bench because he's productive now. And rather than have to run to the waiver wire for some outfield help at some point in time, let's just roster these guys if you can, because this is a player that I think can make some contact that I think can have an OPS around 800 for the rest of the season. And I do believe has enough minor league track record at 25 years old to back up what you're seeing at the big league level. And the twins are a team that are going to stay very competitive. Another guy could be part of a deal at some point in time to bring in more help. If the twins really think they're serious contenders and by all counts, it seem to be, but Trevor Larnick, I think should be rostered way more than 15%. I think that's kind of a joke, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, when you're a percent rostered, you ask yourself, overall, this many leagues, it's not just your league, this many leagues are showing the, the composite of this player. The average is very encouraging. I like guys that hit. I also like Luis Arias, who's another guy on this team that's probably out there. Uh, they had Williams Astadio. I think now he's in Miami, but guys that can make contact. The only thing that concerns me out of 100 at-bats are the 34 strikeouts, but you would want to see a larger mm -hmm. sample size. Just be careful when you're rushing to fill a spot that you don't 
actually hurt your team. A lot of times strikeouts really hurt teams depending on how your leagues are set up. Yeah, especially in the points leagues, if they're minus mm-hmm. uh, a full point or minus a half point, half points a little bit more doable. I think you make that exchange for him because uh, he is making good, uh, good contact on the season. So that's still something that's useful. All right. It's time to switch gears because when Matt and I come back, we're going to do what we always do here, which is look ahead to some important series that are coming up on the MLB schedule. And there are some big ones here with big implications. And we're going to start with two teams that certainly have playoff aspirations. When we come back, we're going to break down the pitching matchups, the hitting matchups, the prop market we like or maybe don't right here on Diamond Bet. So stick around. we got more baseball for your ears and your eyes right here on Sportsman. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. Each and every Sunday morning, we kick things off at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. We roll all the way to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. There's more great quality programming coming. We're here all the time, 24-7, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. His name is Joe Pizzapia, at Joe Pizzapia17. He's the mind behind the Black Book series. It changes the way we just look at sports altogether, especially on how to wager. So, Joe, come on in. Let's take a look ahead at some of the matchups that you like in Major League Baseball and how can we pull some money out of them. I like this. It's like, hey, come on in. It's like an, like an 80s sitcom. As if you haven't been here come for on the in. last hour and, and a half. <laughs> yeah, we, we, need, we need more of that. We, maybe we should have a new opening or it's like an 80s sitcom, like a full house kind of thing. We should do that where, you know, you're going to get a snack at the fridge and you look up and you're like, hey, you know, and you wave. Or, you know, I'm writing the book and I turn around like, yeah, you know, I just got to look in the camera like that. It just says Joe Pizzapia. We should do that. I think I think that's the vibe we've got on the show. All right, let's get over to the Mets and the Padres. Ooh, this is a good one. What a road trip for the Mets. First the Dodgers, then the Padres. So this is a real good test because the Mets have beaten up on the Eastern teams in the National League that, frankly, have underperformed. Let's put it that way. They're talented, but they've underperformed collectively. The Padres have not underperformed. They have some troubles offensively right now. There's no doubt about that. They Trent Grisham's done nothing. Will Myers has done less than that. Um, it has been bad for the Padres offense. They need some help in the worst way. They're going to face on the Mets side, Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, and Chris Bassett. So arguably the three best remaining Mets pitchers with everybody else currently on the shelf. Carrasco versus Blake Snell, Taiwan Walker versus Yu Darvish, Chris Bassett versus Sean Manaya. Now that last one's a real tough one, Matt, because these are two pitchers that have pitched very well this year. Uh, Sean Manaya has been no slouch. We all know he's been excellent this season. Uh, Manaya's pitched with 377 ERA, 68 strikeouts in 62 innings. Uh, I think what you want to do on this one, especially on the Bassett side, is look for the K prop for Bassett and go over because right now the Padres offense to me is struggling a bit. I would also keep an eye out if they bring back C.J. Abrams for this series because C.J. Abrams has been raking in AAA Mm -hmm. and they could use a little bounce right now. So if they go down to that well, keep an eye out for him because he's going to be dirt cheap in DFS. He's probably going to be like a super lineup builder kind of guy. And maybe just maybe that little bit of confidence boost comes back there and he's investable. But when you're looking at this series, um, look, Blake Snell is always a guy that is very hit or miss for me. 
I would go on the Carrasco side of this first game, the Taiwan Walker, you Darvish side. I would go in the Darvish side. It's that third game to me that is the most difficult one. But the one thing I would take out of that, Matt, is that K prop over for Chris Bassett because just too much swing and miss right now in this Padres lineup. You look at what they've done so far, and you know they're really just unfortunately right now outside of Manny Machado. Um, this is a team that's really struggled. Uh, Cronenworth hitting 212, Kim hitting 215, Profar hitting 231. They don't make enough contact. So you can't be a, a single person offense. We talked about how bad Trent Grisham's been. How about a 176 batting average? So the Padres right now, I mean, they got to find some offense somewhere. And if they don't find it today, I wouldn't be surprised if CJ Abrams gets a call back up. What do you think about the Padres offense right now? Because the pitching is holding up their end of the bargain. It's the offense right now that's struggling mightily. Well, first and foremost, I like the Abrams talk. And anyone out there in season-long fantasy, you know, I'll wait. Go check your waiver wire, see if he's available, and monitor that situation because Joe's a thousand percent right. Um, you're also right about the fact that it is hard to handicap given the volatility, especially on the Padre side. So why not just go simple here? Uh, let's look at Francisco Lindor, maybe an RBI or a run mm-hmm. prop. Let's look at Starling Marte for something somewhere just based on what he's been able to show you. And last but not least, in that 6-8 matchup, instead of pounding our heads, why don't we just check the Mets splits against lefties, maybe take uh, the sinker ball from Minaya or one of the pitches. I think he throws that about 60% of the time. And look at some of those splits in those matchups and try to extrapolate. Maybe you want to get a K prop out of that. But I think you're right. It's hard to figure out. But that's what we come to expect in June. That's why we play plus money in April, and that's why we play it smart in May, so we can have the learning curve where we figure things out. Uh, next series, the Mariners at the Astros, you would think is very lopsided, but I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, real quick, just touching base on the uh, the lefty side of that. The Mets have a lot of good right-handed mm-hmm. hitters right now. Marte, uh, Alonzo has been excellent. You've got, uh, you know, switch hitters in there as well, like Lindor and, and some other guys. So, you know, the lefty should not scare you off from that Mets offense. It's just been very good. Let's be honest. I mean, this whole year, uh, the Mariners at Astros is the next series to take a look at. So Robbie Ray versus Christian Javier right off the bat. And this one's going to be in Houston. Then you get Chris Flexen against Justin Verlander. Heavy favorites in this one will be Verlander. He took a no hitter into the seventh earlier this week. Unfortunately, he lost that. And then got the no decision. They ended up winning in extra innings, but still frustrating from the Verlander standpoint. Then Logan Gilbert versus Uquiti. Now, Logan Gilbert to me is the sneaky investment in that last game. Uh, he has pitched extraordinarily well this year. Clearly, you're going to be all over Verlander, but it's Flexen that I want to talk about because Flexen is giving up a lot of home runs this year. Big time fly ball guy. So I want to be looking at the total base props for guys like Jordan Alvarez. Uh, I want to be looking at that for Altuve. Uh, I wouldn't be looking across the board for those guys. And if you can go in some of the home run props you can get to, I would look at Alvarez that night. I mean, he's in Houston against a fly ball pitcher in flex who's given up a ton of home runs. I basically, we have a home run contest every day on our show. We have to pick somebody to hit a home run. We have, we're giving away prizes over on leading off. And you know what? Most of the time, every fifth day, I'm like, well, there's Chris Flex and there he is. And he hardly ever disappoints me, Matt. One of the things I've been on all year and very pleased of it, Chris Flexen giving up home runs. It works. Let's go. And of course, Verlander that night for the K prop, something I would go to. Let's talk about that first game though. Cause Robbie Ray and Christian Javier both have double digit mm-hmm. strikeout potential, but they've also had some starts where you kind of scratch your head a little bit this year. So how do you approach if at all, what looks like could be a potential for outcome game. You could see one of these guys dominating both dominating or both being less than spectacular. So how do you approach this first game? 
Well, you're smart to ask the question. It's all about the numbers. We know what we know. We've done our homework. Now we just have to let the book come and tell us the play. So tomorrow morning, and this is a Sunday that I'm speaking to you, this game starts 6-6, six, six, which is Monday. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you see those numbers and those odds, if nothing else, lock them in. Because I promise you, and Joe, I know you'll endorse this, they are going to change. And they change usually right up to first pitch. And then you look at the whole entire day and you go, my goodness, at 10 a.m. Eastern time, the number was this. At 10 p.m. Eastern time, the number is that. Man, I wish I got in when I did. And that's a great point with a game like that. But your point about flexing, you know, last season he was one of the top first five most profitable pitchers in baseball. Now it's guys like Paul Blackburn and even Logan Gilbert. You're right to attack flex, and it's going to be the only way you're going to find value in that series. The numbers aren't out, but I can only imagine it's going to have a ton of minuses around it given it's Houston and Verlander. And last but not least, and I alluded to it, I think Gilbert on the first five could be a really intriguing play. But beyond that, it should be Astros on the money line every day, depending on the numbers. Yeah, Flex has got a four and a half ERA right now. He's given up nine home runs, one of the highest fly ball rates in baseball. And again, it's the high fly ball rate, guys, you want to look for on those nights for home runs and total bases because sometimes that's just an easy gimme. Uh, I wish we see Marco Gonzalez in this series, too. Yeah. He's got a uh, 11 home runs he's given up. And Robbie Ray, you know, that ERA is sitting at 493, but the XFIP is almost a run lower. I'm telling you. By low on Robbie Ray, the strikeouts are still there. He's he's starting to right the ship a little bit. ERA looks a lot worse than than it actually is. All right, this last series here that we're going to take a look at is the Dodgers and Giants, one of the best baseball rivalries we've got. Walker Bueller versus Logan Webb. I got to tell you, I kind of like Logan Webb on this side. Uh, yeah. We talked about uh, Julio Urias and his velocity being down a little bit. Well, he's going against Jake Junis, so it should be a, a pretty good matchup. It should favor Urias, but I don't know. Maybe we get Kershaw back for, by this time. It's not impossible to think he shows up in this series because if he does, he would be slated to take on Carlos Rodon. Now, we told you the splits about Rodon, the home road splits. Road has got an ERA over four. At home, he's been excellent. So first start back, I think a lot of people will be very excited for Kershaw to be back and, and yay, let's go Clayton Kershaw. But at the same time, Matt, I think there's also a part of me that goes, look at the Carlos Rodon home ERA. I would still go to the Rodon side on that one. I would go to the web side. I kind of wonder, too, if, if the Dodgers are in a weird spot here where, once again, you know, you're catching them kind of when they're down. If they lose tonight against the Mets, you know, they're going to drop that series. They dropped the series. They got swept by the Pirates. You don't want to go to San Francisco and get swept either. That to me is really mentally going to put them in a bad spot here this month. But what do you make out of this series potentially coming up? Because the Dodgers are kind of sort of limping in with the exception of Mookie Betts has been brilliant. It, it seems like at least two of these three matchups really do favor the giant side in terms of pitching. Yeah. Well, here's the school of thought. You have a very public team, the Dodgers, we know, as baseball fans, that they're reeling. Joe Q. Public waiting for the bus might not if he didn't turn over the back of the paper. Really interested to see what the book is going to do here. If the book is still going to throw up those heavily juiced Dodger numbers, then the book is doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's taking advantage of a uh, misinformed public, if you will. With that said, Bueller could be in line for a bounce back. So I would look at some of those numbers. With regard to the Kershaw-Rodon play, careful on Kershaw's K-prop. You don't know how long he's going to be standing out there. 
Uh, Rodon also. I mean, I've seen it as high as nine and a half sometimes, and depending on the book, and Joe will tell you all about where you can find the best value. If you find a good number, you know, Rodon could be the play. But uh, overall, I just am curious to see the overall numbers because the book is still going to present the Dodgers as a public team Mm -hmm. when ardent fans know right now they are scuffling. Yeah, uh, and I would be looking on the other side of that. That's how you make money, uh, especially with that Rodon mm-hmm. at home. He's been so good there this year, so dominant. And Logan Webb doesn't get enough credit, too. He's one of the guys we always say, you know, Logan Webb, much better than people give him credit for, much better pitcher, just kind of sneaks under. Everyone talked about Gossman last year. Everyone's talking about Rodon this year. But Logan Webb is one of these dudes who just takes the ball every fifth day, gets the job done. We come back. We're going to ask the important questions and give the right answers, at least we hope, right here on Diamond Bets. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, welcome back in. This is Diamond Bets. It's a show about baseball done by baseball fans with the goal being, at the end of the day, at least for me, to pull some money out of our love of the game. We're allowed to do that now. Yes, there are bragging rights, and yes, there's just the pure, unadulterated passion, but I also like paying bills. And that's what Joe Pizzupi and I do each and every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. We take you all the way up to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Keep us in your pocket at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV. Joe, let's round the bases. For those that are new to the show, I ask Joe five burning questions. He gives me five hot answers, and we use that information to make some money. Five, King Kong Bundy style. All right, Joe, here we go. Question number one. It's a good one. In your opinion, which rookie has been the biggest disappointment thus far? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, look, being a rookie's tough, man. It's hard. It's hard to be a rookie in the big leagues. Uh, I would say, say a Suzuki, but I mean, not disappointing to me because my expectations were super low, but I think everybody else's expectations were, were much, much, much higher than mine were. Uh, he has not been good, uh, frankly. And he had that great start to the season, but after that, things have really kind of fallen by the wayside for him. He's dealt with, uh, you know, some injuries as well, but that's kind of one that comes to mind. Um, you know, he had some slow starts there, but you see guys really picking it up here lately, especially Julio Rodriguez. My goodness, he's been great. Mackenzie Gore was great uh, last night too, so he's been excellent. But I guess if there's one guy you want to point to, I mean, if you are the consensus favorite for Rookie of the Year and you're hitting 245 and you got four dingers on the year, uh, the OPS is under 800, I guess it's Seiya Suzuki, especially because he's 27. He's on the IL right now uh, with the finger issue. But, you know, I think when you're a 27-year-old rookie, it's a little bit of a different curb. So I think to me, that would be my answer. Do you have a disappointing rookie? Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed the guy's not going to see, <laughs> you know, like right. I'm not going to see Max answer. Meyer for a little while. I'm not going to see Grayson Rodriguez for a long while, but that's more of a disappointment to me than, I mean, Nolan Gorman's come up. We pounded the drum for him. He came up, he was very mm-hmm. good. Um, so, you know, mostly you just want to be patient with these guys. Maybe Anjo Cruz, because again, disappointing. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen them yet, but Matt, when you think disappointing rookie, who comes to mind for you? 
Well, I'm disappointed because I wanted to see the guy play, and actually he's starting rehab assignments, and if Riley Green is available, go out and monitor this and pick it mm -hmm. up. But I can't say that he's the biggest. Uh, how about a teammate? How about Spencer Torkelson? How about what Detroit was supposed to be and what they are? I'll also say a kid like Matt Brash also brought some disappointment only because of the fact that I still don't get the opportunity to see Brash doing what I want to see him do. So Green, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Riley Green, Brash, those are guys disappointing because injury, Torkelson because of on-field performance. Uh, second question, biggest RBI threat in baseball, Joe? Mm, that's a good one. Um, you know, I always think it's a, it's an easy one to pick an Aaron Judge because he's got a lot of RBIs because he's a lot of home runs. So that that's a little bit of a tricky one. I mean, you got 21 home runs, but he's only got 42 RBI. And then you look at a guy like Jose Ramirez who got 14 home runs and 53 RBI. Like, so to me, it's it's Ramirez. He's he's been just unbelievable. I mean, we talk about elite slash, right? Being well, slash from Guns N' Roses number one, but the elite major league <laughs> baseball slash is 300. 400 500 right 300 mm -hmm. batting average 400 obp and a 500 slugging he's got a 298 batting average a 400 obp and a 646 slugging like that is uber super elite so ramirez if, if you're asking me like who do you want to drive in a run if i need somebody i think jose ramirez would be the first name i think alonzo is tied with him right now for the rbi lead in the major league baseball he's a really good rbi guy um yeah, I, I think those are the two that really come to mind. Like I said, Aaron Judge is, is not that name because Aaron Judge's RBI total is based quite a bit on the home run total. I want guys that are still mm -hmm. driving in runs. Goldschmidt has also been outstanding in that vein this year. He's got 47. But Jose Ramirez is that guy for me. Like, that dude is just great. And that team around him is not. Let's be honest. This is not a great team. So the fact that he signed the extension there, took less money, and stuck around there – the Guardians fans should be very happy with Jose Ramirez and they should all be buying Jose Ramirez jerseys because that guy could have gone somewhere else, made more money, but instead he's playing great for a team that just frankly isn't. Yep, I still say that Ramirez is an elite player and we'll look back and say, wow, we saw him play. Uh, and to your point about the team not being as competitive, it says a lot about the hitter, right? You mentioned how Judge does it with one swing and it's over the wall. I like the guy that hits the single or the extra base hit. That's why I, too, like Ramirez and Goldschmidt in an RBI situation. All right, question number three, and this is a good one for uh, wagering. Uh, which of these teams that are currently below 500 still have the best chance of making the postseason, in your opinion? Would you say it's the Philadelphia Phillies or the Seattle Mariners? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, you know, it's tough because I think your mind automatically goes to the Phillies, right? But the problem is the National League, I think, is far more competitive. I think there's a lot of really good teams in the National League. In the American League, I think it's a little bit more stark in terms of the teams I really believe in. So the path might be easier for the Mariners. And I do think Robbie Ray will pitch better. But at the end of the day, I, I will go and I will say the Phillies if I have to pick one. Because after Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert, you know, maybe George Kirby is able to continue to be good. But he's a rookie. It's, it's hard to really take too much out of out of the early career you never know how those things go as guys get more exposed around the league the Phillies still have Zach Wheeler Phillies still have Aranola those are two guys that you can continue to get good starts out of then you can continue to kind of scratch and claw your way back they need somebody else to step up in that rotation though uh Eflin has had moments our Ranger Suarez certainly had moments last year the bullpen's still a mess but it's also the Phillies health has been a mess too throughout some of this time too they, you know 
they've had like the worst combination of bad bullpen health issues. You know, Harper's dealing with an injury he's playing through it. He's playing well, but there's still a lot of good Philly baseball, I think ahead of them because Cassianos and Schwarber are inevitably going to be playing better than they have been in the first two months of the season. And even Schwarber's all the strikeouts and the low batting average, he's still hitting for a lot of power. So I will say the Phillies, but it is a harder road because the National League, especially the East alone, you're still playing the Mets. You're still playing the Braves. You still got to face Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez on some other nights. Like, it's tough. It, the Phillies have put themselves in a bad spot, but I'll say the Phillies. What do you say? Uh, so I understand the the path being easier for the Mariners, but when you think about the Phillies, if the Brewers continue to falter, if the Diamondbacks and Rockies fall back to earth, then the path is actually, you can see light at the end of the tunnel for the Phillies to at least make in for, for a play-in, if nothing else. And I think they're built for it as well. But let's not forget what the Mariners did last season. I, I would not be surprised, given the way the playoffs are, are set up, if both of these teams are at least contending. And I think it's important to think about when we're starting to try to wager on them and to look at things uh, like team totals and all those other things that, that we thought about at the beginning of the season. All right, here we go. Uh, fourth question. Who's going to be the next manager that we see relieved of their duties before the end of the season? I don't know. I, I You know, it's funny. The, the Phillies make sense because I think the Phillies had expectations and are playing under expectations again. And they played under expectations last year. And this year they went out and they spent more money on because they said, well, we need more offense and we need to grow some of the younger guys. And Bohm hasn't really worked out as people had hoped. Uh, Hoskins has been good. Stott hasn't quite, you know, hit like you want him to. He's too much of a free swinger still. But I think the combination for that is the teams that you think have expectations, they're going to fall short. I mean, right now, I mean, in the West, in the National League, I don't think any teams are really falling short. If anything, Arizona's played above board that you thought they would yeah. be. I think everybody thought there'd be the haves and have nots in the Central. So I don't think anybody gets fired there. Uh, you had your one firing in Philadelphia. Um, in terms of the American League West, I mean, maybe Seattle a little bit of a hot seat, but you know, once again, it's that could be a spot. Tony Larusa, <laughs> I mean, you know, mm. the White Sox are another team that have had a lot of issues and a lot of expectations. That's the only one that comes to mind where maybe the experiment isn't working. Maybe bringing back the older manager this time in this vein isn't working. They're three games under five hundred. Um, they have had a lot of issues though, so. There's excuses you can make for the under 500 record right now. But if you're the White Sox right now, you're five games out of first place. You are with, you know, the Cleveland Guardians who are four and a half and Minnesota's still five games ahead of you. I think in the East and the American League, you're still seeing pretty much everybody perform, maybe Boston, but I don't think they're going to make a managerial change. I don't see that happening. So maybe Tony La Russa. And that would be a huge one. But certainly I think justifiable Matt, because I can't justify another team out there that had expectations that's falling short that you could say, you know what, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's La Russa at the end of the day. What do you think? Hmm. All right. That's a bold statement, but it's uh, rooted in some solid support. I don't think that Girardi had the same cachet as La Russa, And I think that's one of the only things that's going to keep a guy like La Russa uh, in that seat, but it is a long season. He knows what he's doing and he has a proven track record. 
Uh, I'll go to another guy that has some insulation around him for a myriad of reasons. That's A.J. Hinch. Uh, what about what was expected of this team, especially with the pitching staff? And now that's not the case. You know, no Manning, no Mize, nobody doing the things. Uh, we mentioned how Riley Green didn't come along as they thought because of the injury. Torkelson. Uh, I'd be interested to see what would happen there. But you also mentioned Seattle. That's a hot seat as well. I just think it's a shame that we're talking about this in June, but it shows how the game has changed. It's all about winning and win now. Okay, uh, to win, you need to score runs. So let's move to this next question. Which stadium, obviously besides Coors Field, would Joe look to to back over? So I think this is a very important question, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, you could go look for the bad teams and surprisingly, you might get some of them too, because they give up, uh, you know, if Patrick Corbin's on the mound for the nationals, I mean, they're a team that's given up 300 runs already. So they're only five behind Colorado in terms of runs they've given up. So that might be one. Um, Cincinnati is always a ballpark. You know, the yep. team ERA is five, four, nine. Cincinnati's one I would go to, typically speaking. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of that, especially if you can get a good offense in there at the same time. Um, you know, a surprising one might be with the way this Dodger pitching has been a little all over lately. Maybe the Dodgers, because you know, the Dodgers, you know, Mookie Betts has been red hot. They're going to score some runs, but they've given up some runs too. Outside of Tony Gonsolin, you know, the occasional good Anderson start, Bueller hasn't been great. I mean, I think when you're just trying to target ball ballparks, it's Cincinnati. Uh, I would target bad teams like Washington. Um, Houston's always a tricky one because they get some good pitching on certain nights. So, you know, when you're looking for the collective over, that's not always the case. So you need that combination of good hitters, ballpark, bad home pitching, and then that over is much more achievable. But I would say the ones that come to mind are Cincinnati, Washington, because they've just been so bad. Then they're in the bullpen so early because they've given up so many runs. Uh, anybody come to mind for you, Matt? Yep, I'll give you an over team and I'll give you an under team. Uh, over ballpark is Atlanta. You'd be surprised. And now that it's getting hotter and hotter, you ever been down south in June and July? Mm -hmm. Man, oh man, it is oppressive. But that's good for overs and for runs being scored. Uh, on an under, how about Tampa? It's hard for guys to see mm -hmm. that ball a lot of times. You see a lot of times that Tampa games will come in at about a 7 or an 8 and that's sometimes you can play an under, even though I don't like playing under. But that's a great question. It really is, Joe. Yeah, it's a really good call by you with the Tampa one, too, especially with Wander Franco out this week. That offense already isn't great. They need more help offensively in the worst way. I mean, they're going to get Shane Boz back soon. They got McClanahan pitching lights out. Like, this is a good team. You just you need to get some more runs on the board. Come on, Tampa. Let's go. Where's Nelson Cruz? Call him up. I bet Nelson Cruz would love to go back to Tampa right now and get the hell out of Washington. Oh, my goodness gracious. Not good. Although Soto was good last night, hitting two bombs. All right. When we come back, we're going to close things out strong here. Not like the Phillies bullpen. We're going to close things out strong the right way. One, two, three. We come back. The three things that we're looking forward to or looking for in next week of Major League Baseball. So stick around to find out what they are right here on Diamond Bets right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All 
All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets, where sports and theater are one and the same. We pull the curtain back. My name is Matt Stryker. His name's Joe Pizapia. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great Sunday morning. And now it is time, Joe, for three outs. Three things that the mastermind, Mr. Joe Pizapia, at Joe Pizapia17, is looking forward to in this coming week in Major League Baseball. Well, uh, I'm looking to see how the Phillies respond. You know, oftentimes we see a little, at least mini bump in the play whenever a managerial change happens. In the NFL, it's almost like clockwork. They fire a coach next week. You can almost just bet that that team's going to win, even though they're crappy. But then eventually it goes back down. So um, the Phillies have a lot more talent and should be playing better. Perhaps a, a different voice. I don't know. We shall see. But so far, look, they are on a three-game winning streak right now. So it's, something's happening. So at least pay attention to this in the short term, especially in the games where you have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola out there from a wagering standpoint. Those guys have been outstanding recently. Uh, Toronto making a move. Oh, my goodness. Toronto, it's got to make a move here. You know, the teams that I think win the trade deadline, as you will, are the teams that are first to market or last to market. If I'm Toronto... I think you need to be first to market. You can't let the market get dictated to you. Go out and get the guy you think it is, whether it's Montas, whether it's Castillo. I don't care who it is. You need another starting pitcher in the worst way because uh, the offense is not going to be the problem. And then the Angels. Can we talk about the Angels' free fall? I mean, we really didn't get into this today, but Mike Trout is on an epically bad run, especially yeah, for Mike Trout. Uh, they have now fallen seven and a half games behind the Houston Astros. So the Angels have lost 10 in a row, Matt. It's time to get back on track if you're the Angels and maybe some time to buy low on some of those guys. But that's what we're looking forward to. Once again, I want to thank our incredible team here uh, over at Diamond Bets, our producer, our truck people. I want to thank everybody for listening and watching, listening on Sirius XM Radio, and, of course, hanging with us for the last two hours. I know you were waiting with bated breath to see if I got the wordle. I didn't disappoint you, and you didn't disappoint me either. That'll do it for us. For the story of the game goes on. From Matt, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.